I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You're now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, and Ted Wynn on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, once again, coming to you remotely. Um, and guys, uh, how quickly does this world change? I mean, uh, we recorded last nine days ago. We talked to you guys nine days ago. And we were recording remotely, and, you know, the coronavirus was, was pretty serious at that point. But it, it still seemed like the biggest inconvenience people were complaining about were, you know, reporters not being able to, to interview people in the locker rooms and, and possible games without fans in the stands. And uh, by that night, uh, you know, Rudy Gobert tested positive, NBA season canceled, and uh, most of the rest of the leagues kind of pretty much immediately followed. Obviously, the NFL kind of plunging forward um, as they're not really in the season right now. But uh, it just goes to show you how quickly things are changing nowadays that uh, we recorded nine days ago in the morning, and, and by the next day, uh, we were pretty much in a whole different world. I was going to say, yeah, it's definitely been scary, and definitely I think um, people are you know should be staying at home right now and listening to podcasts. Definitely don't go outside <laughs> and, and, and be smart and listen to us. Yeah, and thank God for NFL free agency. I, I think people would have gone insane if it wasn't free, for free agency. I, the last few days before free agency started, people were just, you know, getting used to a world without sports. And then now at least everybody has a bunch of news and uh, things to analyze and talk about. Yeah, I mean, it was a tough balance when you're thinking about, you know, the decisions to be made of whether you delay the league year. Because, I mean, there are certainly some some normal parts of free agency that you can't have in terms of uh guys coming to a to a facility to visit guys being able to get checked out by their doctors you know all the physicals and stuff um but i mean like ted says when you weigh that against with everything going on right now i mean people are just absorbing themselves in the lockdown and reading all the news about that um there is there is something to be gained by you know, at least in in the football world, you can distract yourself a little bit from it, and I think we all kind of need some distractions right now. But I can see both sides of the argument of of why people wanted it pushed back and why the NFL. Uh, and I'm not saying that the NFL didn't push it back strictly because they wanted to give people a distraction. I think that's that's probably far from uh, the, the reasoning there. But um, that that ends up being a good side benefit, I guess. Yeah, I thought it was tone deaf. That's what I said on Sunday. People got mad at me for it, but I've backed off a little bit, put my soapbox away. But I think the NFL is going to go on no matter what. I mean, they're kind of got that mentality like they don't really care about. I mean, I don't they care, but they're just going to like nothing can stop them. They're kind of like this force that they need to keep going. And I think if we were currently in season and this happened, I bet they'd be playing games without fans there. They figure a figure a way to do that. So I think it's it's been good. I think fans definitely have enjoyed the diversion. I think um, I'm sure players have to get new contracts and new money. And I think, but it's going to be weird. The logistics going forward, as far as you mentioned, the physicals and contracts and no, the lack of workouts. So it, the question is why why the rush? But I get it. I mean, people want to have something going on and something to, to read and talk about. So again, in that way, it's been good. Yeah, and I wonder if they delayed it, how much tampering would go on. I mean, I, I know there's no, there wouldn't be a legal tampering period, but I'm sure there's going to be teams you know, somehow contacting these free agents and there's going to be all these, like, battles going on behind the scenes of where these guys are going to go and all that. Well, and I, th- I think what ultimately played a, a big role there is that it's not like this is, you know, we, California may be, you know, the Bay Area initially was put on lockdown through uh, April 7th and then now California on, an, you know, really an indefinite lockdown. Um, 
I don't think anybody ever thought that the Bay Area lockdown was actually going to end April 7th. You know, that, and that's the thing here is that this isn't something that we expect really to be all resolved all that soon. So you push it back and like, well, how, how far do you push it back? Do you push it back to end up to July, August? And I think in, in an ideal world, they'd probably like to just push forward and kind of be ready that, all right, if we have to just roll right into training camp at the end of July, you know, maybe things are better by then and we can, and at least we've already handled free agency, but it's going to be weird. We, we all thought that the, the Raiders would have uh, at least one last set of uh, OTAs, off-season program, draft um, there at the Alameda facility. And I, I don't I don't think we're, we're ever going back to that Alameda facility again. No, like the whispers right now on the league are the best-case scenario is probably two months, like a two-month shutdown as far as no one going to facilities and coaches staying at home. And you'll have players and talking to coaches on you know, Skype, whatever, and video playbooks. But I think it'll be the best-case scenario, a two-month shutdown. I think a lot of teams think that probably what will happen is similar to the lockdown. We'll add an extra week to training camp. We have t- people come in a week before they usually do and for meetings and stretching and before you get into the actual camp part of it. So I think that's probably what we're looking at as far as a longer training camp might be the, the most likely scenario to uh, where this goes. All right, well, let's talk free agency. And, um, I mean, the biggest, you know, news that that was really being followed probably across the league, if you watch NFL Network, ESPN, you probably thought this was the, the Tom Brady free agency and nothing else. Um, and the Raiders were, you know, peripherally involved in that. They were an interested party, ultimately did not make an offer, and, and as, you know, the reporters today basically sat it out, um, decided to, to go with Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. Um Vic, what did, what did you make out of kind of their interest and, and why they ultimately decided that they were not going to aggressively pursue uh, Tom Brady? Well, I'm writing about that today, so I'm kind of uh, trying to write it out. And kind of, I feel like Indiana Jones kind of going over on those broken bridges with alligators below, kind of, it's kind of tricky because I think a lot of it is out there, a lot of it's probably not. Uh, totally true. I think they were still sniffing around him this week. I think there was still some interest. I think um, ultimately the reason why there wasn't an offer was I think they weren't going to pay him $25 million per year. I think that was too much for him. And I also don't think that Brady gave him the kind of the green light to go ahead and do that. I think Brady had his teams in mind early on. I think the Buccaneers were always in play for a while. And I just think that it wasn't a fit either way. And I think, um, yeah, like they mentioned before, Gruden and Mayak, that Derek Carr is their guy. And I think um, – Outside of uh, you know, whatever it was, a small chance of getting the greatest quarterback of all time, then you go with Derek Carr, which I think if you're Derek Carr, it, it, it should be cool with that. It should be fine. I think you can't really get too upset about that scenario. Yeah, and we, we talked about this you know, even towards the end of the season that it, it's just hard to upgrade from Carr, even though fans are, you know, a lot of fans are kind of frustrated with uh, a Carr. There's it, just not a lot of options out there. And as far as free agent quarterbacks, you know, Brady like you said, one of the greatest of all time, is probably the only realistic op- upgrade option you have. And, you know, with the Raiders' draft position, they don't have a great shot at drafting somebody that you could say is going to supplant uh, Carr, you know, anytime soon. So, um, yeah, it just looks like, you know, Carr is going to be the quarterback moving forward, and they just didn't seem like they had a real good chance at, at Brady. You know, and what ends up happening is I think what we kind of expected is that if there are if they are going to stick with Derek Carr is that they had to not just have a backup behind him that is just purely a backup and a guy that you don't really trust to start games. And so they went out and they got Marcus Mariota, uh, former number two overall pick, former Heisman Trophy winner, a guy who had some early success in Tennessee and, and then it kind of fell apart. Um, obviously did not get a second contract with them. They they basically did 
to him the same thing that he's now becoming to Derek Carr when they brought in Ryan Tannehill and replaced Mariota with Tannehill midway through the season, and we know how that worked out for Tennessee. Um, so it, do you guys like that move, bringing in a, a backup who you know, has a different skill set, who has uh, you know certainly some talent, some ability, and is a guy that is a realistic guy that you could move forward with if Derek Carr struggles and you want to kind of see you know, see a change of pace out there. Yeah, I think it makes sense. You bring a guy in, like you said, as a backup who can at some point ideally push him a little bit and kind of maybe you know, not make a run for the job, but definitely give Derek you know, uh, some reason to sweat a little bit because in the past, no one's been there really to give him any kind of sense of worry. I know a lot of Matt McGloin fans were like thinking he was the guy, but he really was not a guy going to push Derek Carr. So I think it's good. I think Mariota's a very... Everyone says he's a great leader, great locker room guy. So there won't be any problems as far as chemistry. Or like I think he and Derek get along really well. They have a similar injury history, both of them men of faith. So they'll should get along fine. So I think um, I think it makes sense. I haven't seen the contract yet. I've heard it's a one year deal, but I haven't seen any numbers. But I don't think it's going to be uh, outrageous. So I think it's uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's your best case option for a guy who you can bring in as a backup with no drama and who might give you more than that in the long run. Yeah, I think uh, he's really kind of the, the perfect player for that, uh, if that's what you're looking for. A, a backup that has some some chance that could push your starter. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's a good, high-character guy, so he's not going to cause a lot of trouble in a locker room, and he's I think he'll pick up this playbook pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, he, he could also offer... Uh, he could offer a, like he could r- come there and run a zone read package for the Raiders if they felt like they needed a spark uh, too. So uh, I, I like the signing. I mean, and I think you can't discount the the personality aspect with Mariota because we and we've all talked about how Derek Carr is not a guy that is is necessarily going to be great in terms of you know grooming a future backup, you know, a future starter, uh, you know, the next guy. And I think bringing in a backup that that can push him a little bit, but he has, you know, at least somewhat of a prior relationship with and and I mean, those are just like Marcus Mariota from all accounts is not a guy that you're you're going to clash with and I just I don't I don't see any problems any potential problems there of Derek Carr having a whole lot of bitterness toward a guy like Mariota coming in and and being that guy that hey it might might push him a little bit but it, it seems like those guys are going to get along really well and I think that's important to to make sure that you kind of keep that 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 cohesion going in the locker room think about that for a while <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's hit the uh, you know probably what I think is is most people's favorite signing. Um, Raiders upgraded their linebacker core with, with two guys. They 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 spent money on linebackers. Um, you know, Corey Littleton from the Rams I think was probably one of the Raiders' very top targets. One of the Raider fans' very top targets. Um, obviously, they had already added Nick Witkowski, um, and so two two new linebackers. But uh, especially Littleton, a guy who is a three down linebacker, he can cover, he can uh, he can help them out a little bit against tight ends. He he can he can do a little bit of everything. And I, I mean, you just hope that the the, the curse of linebackers uh, of Raiders linebackers doesn't catch him. But uh, I mean, on paper, this guy would seem to be the best linebacker the Raiders have had, the best off ball linebacker the Raiders have had in, in a really long time. Yeah, it's the first time they really addressed the position since um, Ronald McClain in 2010. I think they're definitely a, a big-time signing. I, I like his highlights a lot. I love the stat when he uh, was 2018 when they played the Chiefs. I mean, he covered Travis Kelsey 15 plays and wasn't thrown at once. That's a great number for Raider fans. So I think he can cover running backs also. I think he's a pretty dynamic player. I like him a lot. I think the other guy, Kwiatkowski, uh, is also pretty good. I think it was a great, great linebacker uh, week for the Raiders. 
Yeah, I like uh, I like uh, Littleton a lot. He he's I don't think he's the straight up man to man linebacker that is advertised though. After watching him, I, and I watched that 2018 uh, Chiefs tape, and I, I didn't see the 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 one you know him covering Kelsey and not getting thrown at much. He, he was more covering the running back, so I'm a little skeptical of that stat because I I just watched the tape and I wanted to see those reps and I, I didn't really see it much but I he, I think he's very good in zone he uh he's very athletic so he has a great break uh great instincts in zone uh he can play match coverage meaning he'll he'll run underneath tight ends if he has help over top and he he's really good at playing with his back to the ball uh so he he's definitely a big upgrade as far as coverage wise for the Raiders uh, and Kwatsky, I watched him, and at first I thought he was just a two-down linebacker because early in the season, that's what he was doing. He was just playing uh, two downs, and he was getting taken out in third down. And later on in the season, I think with injuries, uh, he started playing more uh, coverage downs, and he, he was better. You could see him improve as the season was going. I don't think that will ever be really his, his strong suit, but he has a lot better change of directions than uh, some former Raider linebackers. Uh, so, uh, he has some potential there and he's a good blitzer too, but, um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't say that co- coverage wise is a strong suit of, of his, but I think the Raiders definitely upgraded their linebacker, uh, their linebacker corp. And the sound we just heard there was, was, was Ted pouring cold water over the Corey Littleton side by saying he didn't cover <laughs> Travis Kelsey. Uh, I I might be honest with you. I didn't watch the film, so Ted 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 wins that one. I'm not gonna argue, but that's why that's why I read. I read the stat somewhere. I thought it was a good stat, so I, I shared it. But Ted would know. So Ted would know. But um, I'll say this about Kwiatkowski. I think the Raider fan, Raiders. Uh, sorry, not fans. The team. The team. When I watched the film of him last year, they, they did think he improved as the year went on. It was his first real chance to start. I think they watched those tape, and what I heard was they thought he made more plays than Roquan Smith did. So I think that's definitely uh, kind of an alarming thing to hear. So I think they like him a lot. I think he's got a lot of upside. Really coming into his own, have his first real chance to have his own spot uh, from day one. So they're pretty excited about both guys. Both guys they view as three down linebackers. I know they um, gave Nicholas Morrow a, a second-round tender, which means they're going to pay him probably $3 million, which is a little surprising. But, I mean, I think he's a good, uh, a good backup. I think they usually are in two linebacker you know, lineups, so I'm not sure he'll play uh, that much to start off with. But he definitely is a good role player, I think. So I think they're pretty much set now with a linebacker with those three and, and Markel Lee. So we'll do a public service announcement here and give you the, the pronunciation of, of their new linebacker. It's actually, uh, it, we can break it down into three words, and it's pretty easy. It's quit, guy like a, you quit your job. Cow, cow goes moo. Ski, you go skiing. Quit cow ski. So uh, for everybody out there, quit quit cow ski. Cow goes moo. I like cow, that. Go, cow goes moo. <laughs> quit cow ski. You've been uh, teaching your kids the last uh, few years. I, I, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> my, my main job right now is a homeschool teacher. Uh, luckily, my my wife is off today, so I could actually break away and uh, and come into my son's room and, and podcast. But yeah, but a lot of uh, a lot of uh, being a homeschool teacher. I got a six and a two year old, so it's uh, these are fun times right now. Quitkowski. Uh, Quitkowski. Quitkowski. There you go. Um, but you know those are not the only two additions on defense. Uh, at, at cornerback, they add Eli Apple. Obviously, for Raider fans, there was you know some disappointment there in that it was not Byron Jones, it was not Chris Harris, it was not trading for Darius Slay. Uh, Vic, how close do you think they came to acquiring any of those 
you know, three guys that would have come in as, as a true real number one guy. They were really close on Jones. I mean, they offered him more money per year. They offered him seventeen million a year. They really wanted him badly. I think um, they were a little surprised at the very finish line when the Dolphins came in with, with that third year guaranteed. So I think that's definitely you know if a guy gets hurt five games into the year, then it's a, I mean it's a, it's definitely risks. But uh, they weren't willing to go the third year guarantee. So I think that was what did it in the, in the very end. But they were in there to the very end. They really wanted him badly. They loved him more than the other cornerbacks that were available. So I think after that uh, we had what Chris Harris was. Next, I think they offered him a three-year deal. He said no. Took a two-year deal with um, the Chargers. I'm not sure why. Why he thought it was a bad fit, but he wasn't really feeling the Raiders, which um, I think is fine because I think there would have been issues as far as where he fit in. He's more of a, of a, a slot guy than a, he played outside last year, but didn't really play well outside. He's definitely a lot better in the slot, which is not really uh, a need for them. I know people say it is, but they have Lamarcus Joyner there right now, so um, I think that was the second domino to fall. I always forget the guy's name on Carolina. Was it Bradbury? Is that his name? Yeah, Bradbury. He was kind of also in the mix, but I think they were kind of focused on the first two guys, one, two. And by the time they could shift gears, Bradbury was gone. So then I think at that point you're like, you know, we need to get a cornerback. At this point we're not looking at a number one guy. We need a cornerback who can actually play for us you know, at some point. So I think Apple was the best guy on the board, and that's how they got Eli Apple. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Apple is obviously – disappointing when you're thinking about getting byron jones serious slay uh but he, he does fit what the raiders want in a, in a press corner app apple's been playing press since uh ohio state and um like you said i don't think you know he's promised a starting spot you know, he'll compete with isaiah johnson who the, who the raiders uh drafted last year I, I think they do like him and i i, I like isaiah johnson's potential a lot but uh, it is an unknown about you know with how much he will progress in this offseason. Can he get uh, good enough to be a, a starting corner? Obviously, the athleticism's there. Uh, so you know that will solve a lot of the Raiders' problems if Isaiah Johnson is ready to be a starter. But uh, that's that's a big if. So I think they will they they will probably add a corner um, early on in, in the draft since they weren't able to uh, get a number one in, in free agency. All right, and then some of the other guys they added defensively, uh, you know, the influence of, uh, of Rod Marinelli would they get Malik Collins, a guy who, you know, a, a pretty good inside pressure guy at defensive tackle. I mean, 48 total pressures last year, uh, you know, and we, we've seen how much a, a difference it can make when you have those guys on the inside of defensive tackle that um, can, can pressure the quarterback and, and really open things up for your guys on the outside. So, I mean, that, that seemed like a pretty good signing for them to add him in the middle. Yeah, rich man's PJ Hall. So I mean, ideally, <laughs> I'm not trying to dog PJ, but I think PJ is definitely he's on the bubble. I think they want a guy who's a little more. He has a burst. He definitely has got a lot of pressures in the quarterback last year. Not really a great run guy, but he's not bad against a run. I think um, Rob Manoga knows him well from the days in Dallas together. He's lost some weight. They felt he was out of shape last year. So I think um, yeah, I think Collins is, is a guy. Again, I haven't seen the contract, so I can't really judge the signing that much. But uh, I think it makes sense. I think that if they wanted to add. To their front uh, front seven, especially the the defensive tackles position. So I think it uh, it's 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 a, it's a solid move. It's fine. Yeah, I, I think they with Collins. It's it's more about his, his potential. He he's gotten better every year he's played. Uh, I, I think when he was, first came in the league, he was really raw, but uh, you can see the potential. And he like he got tons of pressures last year. And I think the hope is that he he takes another step uh, this year. 
but he has, yeah, like you said, he has a great burst and he has a lot of wiggle for, uh, for a defensive tackle. And he's, he, he's, he's a menace inside. And I think if he, he gets better and, uh, it, it starts finishing for some sacks, this could be one, you know, a surprise, a really good surprise signing for the Raiders. They also added safety Jeff Keith, who uh, is is uh, also I don't know if you guys remember he had a game where he was like the emergency kicker for the Cowboys. That's uh, that's my biggest Jeff Keith memory. Is uh, I think it was against the Niners. He ended up having to become he had had a kick for uh, for partial. Did he have a big play against uh, Raiders? Like in twenty seven, I, I was looking it up. But I think twenty seventeen yeah, he, he had a big a big forced fumble against Derek. I think, and uh, but I'm not sure. I, I Did, was he was up, he was he the guy that forced the fumble at the goal line? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, I know he did something that was probably was actually. I know, but I have I should look it up. But anyway, he's a he's a good veteran guy. I mean, he's definitely um, Rob Ellie knows him well from Dallas. I think he's uh, probably a number three safety. I don't know if he can start next to Abram, but he's a big time special teams guy. Definitely, he's an excellent teams player, which is why they liked him a lot. So I think they gave him what two years for six million, which is not bad. I mean. I liked that deal a little better before I saw uh, Clinton Dix went to the Cowboys for one year for $4 million. I thought uh, HaHa could have started for the Raiders, so I know they were talking about him for a little bit, but they went with Heath, so um, yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah, and that was Heath. He did have the, uh, he was the guy that was there on car and kind of helped force that fumble near the goal line. I mean, it was more, you know, he, he pushed him in the back as he was going forward and he kind of let go of it on his own, but yeah, he, he was credited with the forced fumble there. Yeah, I think Heath is. Uh, from what I remember, he's he's more of a box safety, so he'll probably be a backup to Abram and be you know one of those leadership guys and uh, maybe play some special teams. But uh, I I don't see him as a starter. But he he could be uh, he could provide some depth, and um, I I think that the Raiders were should still be looking for uh, for another safety right now. And you know I mean I know Anthony here. Um, I think the Vikings reportedly have Harris on the trade block, even though they, they franchised him uh, for for a mid round pick. So that could potentially be an option. He, he I think he's a great fit with this uh, in this Raider scheme. So I don't know. Uh, it, you, but you you have to extend him. So I, I think that's another debate. Yeah, at this point, I think Eric Harris is probably the guy. I think Eric Harris was fine last year. He definitely had some flashes. So I think if you go with Harris and Abram, if you can't get somebody else, I think that's not it's not too bad. Um, offensively, uh, a little bit of a surprise, uh, siding. You, for, you forgot my guy, Carl Nassib. Carl Nassib, yeah. Defensive, Come on, man. Uh, and what, six and a, what, 12 and a half sacks over the last two years? Is the next, next Max Crosby. Very, very similar build, a kind of a big, uh, long guy who, excellent motor, all the cliches you hear about those kind of, uh, those white pass rushers, but, um, they liked, I was, I was surprised at the 17 million guaranteed, but, um, I guess there was a need for another pass rusher. He's kind of the new, uh. The new Mayawa. So, um, again, I thought that was a fine So I wouldn't say it was a great deal as far as the money goes, but I get it. It definitely fills a need, and I think he has some, uh, some upside. Yeah, I, I think this is another upside signing. I was really surprised at the, uh, the money he got. Um, so, yeah, I think this is one of those signings where Rod Marinelli might have been watching film of guys, and uh, he saw, uh, saw him and said, you know, he thinks that he can coach him up and make him legit pass rushers. So, um, we'll see if it works out, but I, I, I was surprised with how much money he got. All right, let's talk Jason Witten. The, uh, the, we've got the two, uh, two Monday Night Football analysts here that are now uh, 
back uh, out of the booth and and one is coaching the other um i know vic you were uh, not a fan of of this signing um uh, foster moreau who, who who probably stands to lose a few catches was a fan of it um but uh, that one that one certainly wasn't one that i think was on our radar jason witten but I, it kind of feels like a gruden type move right yeah, that's the problem with Twitter. I mean, I'm not a, I guess I come off as not a fan. I was just, I was shocked. I mean, I must have heard the money up to. I haven't seen the contract, but apparently it's up to up to four point seven million for one year. I just didn't get the need. I think that room was probably the best room in terms of the positions groups. The tight end room was probably the best room they had last year, as far as the guys inside, the chemistry, the production. I'm not sure why you need a guy who's a, a mentor or a leader type who's thirty seven years old, um, but. I guess they'll go with four tight ends uh, on game days, and uh, Carrier can focus more on, on teams. But um, I, don't, I don't really get it. I know he's a great leader. I know, like you mentioned, we keep talking about Marinelli, and uh, I'm sure it's one of his guys. And Gruden and Witten are old friends. But I didn't get. I, don't, I still don't get it. I don't understand why. I don't understand why you need to add Jason Witten. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's a weird signing. I mean, maybe they they felt like they needed a a real a much better blocker in the edge maybe you know i think carrier is a good blocker but maybe they felt like they could use somebody somebody that could really solidify the, the edge for them and um i guess that's jason Witten. and what's carrier's contract i mean is there any chance that they uh you know if if the other three guys are are all healthy and looking good that they move on from carrier uh, he's been around for a while. I think he's up to like what, probably one point five somewhere in that neighborhood. I think, but uh, they like him a lot. I think he does so much for them on teams. I think he's definitely a big time locker room guy. He's a good influence on on Waller and Moreau. I think he can catch a little bit. So I'd be surprised. I think right you now you got your locker room guy. You got your influence now. <laughs> but well, that's my whole point. They already had one. I mean, I, I don't understand. Like everyone's oh, he'll be he a got mentor a hall to Waller. This one's a future Hall of Famer though. Uh, be a mentor to Waller. I mean, Waller's doing fine. I mean, I don't. He's a top five tight end without Jason Witten. But again, I think the plan right now would be to have four tight ends. I don't see them cutting uh, Carrier. I think they'll go with four tight ends on game day, which they have done in the past once in a while. So, and maybe Carrier can focus more on teams and, and be the kind of the fourth option. But I'd be surprised if they cut Derek Carrier. The Carrier is uh, he carries a one point eight five million dollar cap number, but uh, no guaranteed there. It would be. They would have no dead money if they cut him, so they could save 1.85 million in cap space if they cut him. If they at some point decide that's uh, that's the way they want to go, that's that's pocket change. The NFL 1.85 is nothing. 1.85. That's a... Ted. What do you think? Um, I mean, you know, we know that Gruden likes to mix up his personnel groupings, so uh, having f- four tight ends, you know, gives him some depth and allows him to go 13, 12 personnel. Uh, more, but you know, it, the, I mean, they also have a fullback that they like to use a lot too. Um, and if they get another receiver, they they'll have an interesting three wide receiver set. So I, I think, um, yeah, I think th- that they wanted uh, Gruden wants to use more tight ends. Uh, so like having a little more depth there, you know, could pay dividends if, if one of them goes down. And I'm sure there's a good chance, like, in, whenever we start the season, I mean, I'm sure Witten's an amazing leader. I'm like, wow, what a, I was so wrong. What a great signing. <laughs> that guy's, like, incredible. I could, I could see that happening. But just uh, my, the sticker shock, you know, was, for me was pretty high. I, I couldn't believe it. I didn't, I didn't see it coming. Apparently it's been in the works for a while. I think they talked about it for a long time. So I think it was something they knew they were going to do. But I just didn't hear about it, and I, didn't, I was very surprised. All right, let's uh, take some questions here. Uh, you guys can always send us questions using the hashtag SOTNMail. We will start with this one from David John Meyer. Uh, do you think we are done in free agency until after the draft? 
I think there'll be some couple of third wave guys. I think it depends on, on the, uh, obviously the market values of some of these guys. But they want to add another tackle, defensive tackle. I think they want to add a safety. We mentioned that. I think the, the corners. I think that they're pretty much done there. I think Apple is the guy. They want to. They want a number one guy. They'll have to find it somewhere else. I'm trying to think. Running backs or a dime a dozen. They could sign a running back at some point. I could see that. But for, primarily for the big stuff, I think they're pretty much done. I, again, I haven't seen the four contracts, but from what I hear, they're pretty much out of money. I think they're kind of. Uh, I think they had 27 million dollars left before these last four deals. I think that pretty much will be mostly gone. So I think there's not a lot left as far as the cap space goes. So even if they they wanted to trade for Anthony Harris, they they wouldn't have the money to extend him then. Well, I guess I'm sure they can make it work. I'm sure you can get guys to maybe to restructure, but I think uh, as of right now, probably not. I think that that wouldn't they sign some more guys every day. So, but again, I haven't seen the contract, so I'm just going off of rumors. But I think they're pretty much done for the most part, as far as big name guys go. All right, uh, next question here. Uh, between the top three wide receivers in the draft, Lamb, Judy, and Ruggs, uh, do you have a sense which one the Raiders like more? I do not. I'll be honest with you. I keep saying Ruggs is kind of like the, the Tyreek Hill type that, that Gruden wants, but he hasn't said that. I mean, and I, from what I can tell, they like all three guys a lot. I've not really heard a different differentiation of the three guys, so I think um, it's kind of a cool thing. I think it's wide open. I think all three will be there at 12 probably, so I, I really don't know. I, don't, I have no idea which guy they, they would take. Yeah, I, I love what Judy does, but maybe the the drops. Uh, I, you know, I think drops are a big deal for Gruden, so – um, that might take him out of the running with uh, being one of the top wide receiver picks. Uh, I, personally, I, I love CeeDee Lamb. He, he's my wide receiver one. And, you know, maybe with um, the Cardinals getting Hopkins, there's a chance that CD falls at 12. All right. Another wide receiver question. I think we all can probably answer no to this uh, from Jordan. Do you see a possibility of double dipping at the wide receiver position at number 12 and number 19, uh, taking two wide receivers in the first round? Uh, I, I, I can't see that. Can you? Can either of you guys see the possibility of them doing that? I think they have too many needs uh, you know, around the roster that they need to, to find ways to upgrade a couple positions there. I think it's possible. I mean, I just think because, I mean, uh, the, we mentioned the cornerback spot. There's not a lot of great cornerbacks. There's probably, I think, two or three who might be, you know, plug-in-and-play guys. I think Okuda's going to be long gone by 12. So I'm not sure there'll be a cornerback you want at 12 or 19. So then you look at uh, other positions that you might want to get. Uh, I'm not sure what there is at safety. But I could see a case where uh, John's like, you know what? I gave you guys all your defensive players in free agency. This is my day. I'm getting the two guys. So, I mean, that wouldn't shock me. But, yeah, I think it's probably unlikely. But, I mean, again, they could definitely use two receivers. If you get two impact guys at receiver, that definitely changes offense a lot overnight. So I wouldn't rule it out. But again, I think you're right. More practically speaking, probably not the best idea. Well, and practically, like if you take a wide receiver at 12 and then there's another one there at 19 that you, you like and other people really like, but there's also some, you know, it's, it's a you know position of depth and there's other guys down later in the draft that you like too. That's where it seems like it would become, okay, we don't have a second round pick. Maybe we... We trade down here and we pick up some extra picks, and that—that's to me where it would seem like I don't think they would double dip at, at one position when they feel like maybe they can get a good trade that can give them other assets. What if through some crazy scenario, all three guys we talked about are, are available at twelve and nineteen? You can get both, two of those three guys at twelve and nineteen, then you got to do it, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, 
it would be pretty incredible for uh, that, that. You know, we, we we every year it seems like we go into training camp saying, oh, this is the best receiver core Derek Carr's ever had. But, I mean, you know, we, we know that Mayock's got his – I mean, not that Mayock is, is running the first round of the draft especially, but we know Mayock at least states he has a hesitancy with first-round wide receivers. So, I don't know. But, I mean, that would be a hell of a, of a personnel upgrade if they could add two of those guys. Yeah, but, I mean, you could double-dip and – not, I mean, but just not all in the first round because there's so many good wide receiver prospects that you can't get one in the third round with a pretty high grade as well. Uh, but but I think you know the problem is, uh, like Vic mentioned, this isn't a great draft for the secondary, or not at least not a very top heavy draft for the secondary. So at 19, you know, if you are looking to draft a, a safety or cornerback, really who who has a first round grade, maybe. Xavier McKinley, the safety from Alabama, is there, and he he could be a potential pick there. But as as far as cornerbacks, I I mean, after Akunda, I, I don't see anybody really worth dra- drafting the first round. Plus, there's gonna be a lot of really tempting you know, trade down options. I think both at twelve and nineteen. I think at twelve, if a team wants Jordan Love, that probably may be the place you have to go to get him. I think it'll be and so many great tackles in this draft. You want a top tackle, you may have to trade up to get one at twelve. So a lot of chances to trade back and get these receivers later on in the draft. Also, there's such a deep class. I think Max said there's twenty five guys with top three round grades. So you can definitely get two guys. Maybe not in the first round, but you can definitely get two guys like Ted said uh, a little bit later on. You know, what's interesting now is with the 49ers trading DeForest Buckner to the Colts, they're sitting right, right behind the Raiders, and obviously they have a huge need for really a, a number one receiver. So I think if you're there at 12 and you trade out for somebody to take Jordan Love or whomever, you're probably you're probably knowing that that best receiver on the board is going off the board uh, right, right away, right after to the 49ers. Well, you have to be comfortable that you have, like, maybe, say, five or six guys you really, really like. And three are probably better than the other three, but there's six guys who you feel are kind of elite guys you can definitely come in and start right away. So you have to feel like you're comfortable with any of those six guys later on in that first round. That would be why you would trade back, I think, which I think is possible. I think there's definitely that many potentially great receivers in this draft. Yep. All right, a couple different people. Uh, Paul Revere is my homeboy, and Jeff Spiegel both are asking for uh, an update on Dion Jordan. Uh, Raiders still interested in bringing him back, Vic? I think it's possible. I think obviously they made some other moves, but I think he definitely is a guy who can play both inside and outside, which is attractive. They liked him when he was here. I think he's a definitely like a third wave kind of guy. You can see what the market is and kind of you can plug him in. But they need another guy. They need another alignment. They need one more. So it could be him. I think uh, I wouldn't rule it out by, by any means. Yeah, I mean, I thought he, he played, you know, he got some pressures. Uh, he's he's versatile. If you know, if the if the money demands aren't crazy, I, I think he'd be a good addition to bring him back. All right, question here from DJ Red: uh, Is the construction of the Raiders Stadium going to be delayed, and where will they play? I, I think the answer right there is, is no. It sounds like in in Nevada they've deemed that an essential project, and it's going forward. Um, I don't know. L.A. might be more of a concern. I don't know if, what what's going on quite yet there, but it sounds like in Vegas, uh, all things are, are moving ahead. Yeah, the stadium is still on schedule. They definitely did say it was essential as far as the workers going out there to get it finished. I think they're, I mean, the Raiders actually canceled their option uh, in Oakland as, as a backup choice. So they're kind of are all, everything's definitely pointing forward as far as Vegas Stadium being ready by the uh, the date in, uh, in late July. Yeah, I mean, like the Empire wouldn't delay the construction of the Death Star if uh, there was some sort of pandemic going on. That's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
Um, I guess that was, better, that was better than my joke I made earlier. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, final question here, I think. Uh, another one from Paul Revere is my homeboy. Uh, with the cornerback market drying up, can you see the Raiders pursuing a wide receiver in free agency or via trade before the draft? Um, I don't I don't. Um, would Brandon Cooks fit, and do they have enough cap room to absorb his salary? Brandon Cooks, who gets traded every offseason, uh, could, could the Raiders go out and get him? I think you could always make it work cap-wise. I think the problem with this, a lot of these trades is that, and one of the problems with the Darius Slate trade was that it took to, um, what, a third and a fifth, which is in itself not a lot, but the Raiders only have seven picks in this draft, so they're not really looking to trade picks if they can help it. So I think trading picks plus signing you know, a guy to an extension – might be a little problematic, so I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't think so. I think this draft is so deep at receiver that they're going to focus on the draft to get one or two more guys. Yeah, and having a, a good receiver on a rookie contract is just you know a lot better uh, cap management and, and roster construction. You know, if you're able to get one of those. All right, we got one final question that we have to ask. Um, and uh, so it's a special request from Josh DeBow, who, uh, you know, he really does want to come on and have a debate here with Mr. McMurder about uh, about all this. But um, he did want me to uh, have one of my kids weigh in uh, with them here home with me. And so I've, I've got my daughter here with me, and I need to ask you, um, who is a better quarterback, Derek Carr or Drew Brees? Drew Brees. There you have it, guys. It's It's been settled. Um, I mean, that it's, it's obviously a silly debate, but... Uh, there you go. Um, that's that's the final word. She she put the hammer down. The it's the final from, word. I mean, you yeah. know, hey, that's that's that is no knock on Derek Carr. I mean, Drew Brees is uh, is obviously a future Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, justifiably so. And so, well, thank God she doesn't have a Twitter because Mr. McMurder would uh, go after her on Twitter. I would hope in this times we're not murdering anybody on uh, on Twitter, but uh, we probably still are. Um, all right, I think that'll wrap up this week's episode of State of the Nation. Uh, very interesting week of free agency, and uh, we'll kind of see where uh, where the NFL world goes from here and where the Raiders go from here. The draft is pushing forward, and everything is full steam ahead as, uh, as the NFL at least uh, tries to pretend that, that life is still uh, a little bit normal for right now. Yeah, the Raiders may announce some of these players next week. We'll probably get to hear from a couple of them in a conference call, so that'll be good just to hear what they're thinking. But uh, like you said, the NFL doesn't stop. So uh, on we go, and everyone, uh, everyone stay safe.